and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the More Doors podcast, where we give you the advice and information you need to make intelligent investments in real estate. Today, we'll be speaking with a real estate investor and business owner. So now we have AJ Shepard, who's the owner of Uptown Properties and Uptown Syndication in Portland, Oregon. He's been in the real estate business for 15 years. Uh, thank you for coming on today, AJ. Hey, appreciate you having me, John. It is my pleasure. Um, I'm sure you've got a lot of great information for us. Uh, so I know that you do. You told me you do some property management. You've got a real estate construction company. You do syndications. Um, why don't you just maybe very briefly tell me how you got started in real estate? How did how did this whole real estate uh, journey start for you? Sure, sure. Um, so I out of college started working for uh, like an industrial general contractor. Um, and kind of while I was doing that, I started buying houses. This was probably in 2007, 2008, um, kind of bought my first house, did a house hack. Um, although I don't even know that the term house hack was coined then, but I lived in the, lived in the upstairs and rented out the downstairs to college students. Uh, so that was pretty fun. I still own the property. Um, and then, uh, my brother moved to town kind of after I bought my second property uh, he was just seeing that things were going well and he's like, Hey, why don't we do this together? And then it really kind of took off from there. Um, so we you know, just kept acquiring properties and doing the burr method, uh, again, before it was coined burr, um, <laughs> we'd fix them up, refinance them and then, uh, rent them out. And, uh, yeah, so we, we did that. And then finally we got to the point where I think it was like 2010, 2011, we had enough properties that were like, man, this is like a job. Um, we should probably think about, you know, how we're going to be financed in the future and maybe offer some services. So that's when we opened up construction, opened up property management. Um, and we kind of did that for a while. Mostly it was just him and my, we maybe had like one assistant and then probably in 2016, 2017, um, we started hiring some more people. Uh, our portfolio kept growing. Um, and then, now in 2020, we, we opened up a brokerage about two years ago, we got four or five agents working for us. Uh, and then we also have a full on property management company with like 12 or 13 employees. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's so much. I almost don't know where to start with questions. Um, <laughs> let's do it one thing at a time. So well, I, guess, I guess I forgot to mention too, this, this particular year, 2020, uh, we did our first, we actually did our first two syndications. Um, so we have started that business as well. I see. Okay. So how many properties, how many doors do you manage? Uh, and how many of them are properties that you own versus properties that you are running for other people? Um, so currently we're a little over 500 doors uh, or units. And then we own about 20 to 25% of those. That's really cool. And what is your opinion about having your own management company, doing that in-house as opposed to hiring out? Um, what have the advantages or, and disadvantages been? Uh, I mean, the big advantage is control. Um, you know, being able to make decisions on your own property, uh, on what gets done, how it gets done um, is, is nice. I mean, I guess that does take up a little bit of time. But, um, you know, we've we've always felt that we are good managers and a lot of our clients feel like we're more investment minded than some other property managers. Um, and just like we try to keep our turns very, get them done very quickly, keep the time down on the vacancy. 
Um, you know, we'd rather have a property rented out than sitting on the market with too high a rent. So we're very quick to drop rents when they need to happen. Um, we do some cool things too, like, uh, and we're in Portland, Oregon, and, uh, there's like a seasonal moving here. Uh, most people want to move over the summer. So we write all of our leases to end in like April, May, and June so that everything's turning over when people actually want to move and there's a high market. Uh, currently like it's November right now and we're coming into the holiday season and there's virtually like nobody looking for rentals. So having a, a vacant unit on the market right now can be, uh, really hurt your profits. So having, having that sort of control over our own properties is very, very beneficial. So I'd say control is probably like the number one thing of, you know, running your own management company. Great. Um, you mentioned you also kind of started your own construction company. How did that work? I mean, where did you, obviously you're not doing the construction yourself. Did you find a local person and try to, you know, make a partnership or, um, I, I worked for a general contractor out of uh, college. We did like heavy industrial contracting. Um, so I worked on like steel mills, paper mills, uh, gold mines, silver mines, like all sorts of big stuff. I actually traveled like all over the world uh, to do it. So I'm fairly familiar with like writing contracts and, uh, you know, scopes of work and budgets and all that sort of stuff. So working on a house was fairly easy uh, for coming to me um, and also just hiring people. I was a project manager and at one point I had like 50 guys working uh, for me before I left. So uh, we, I, I just hired uh, a guy and pretty much did the project management stuff for him on the side. And he's he's been with us for seven or eight years now and we've hired a couple more um, and, and a lot of them do maintenance for us. Um, again, having your own contracting company and the ability to pull permits and get stuff done quickly. Um, also, if there's like an emergency that comes up with uh, any of the properties, like I have that capability to be like, you know what, the project that you're working on is not as important as getting this other thing done. Whereas if you're hiring third-party contractors, they're the ones that can make that decision for you. And it's typically based on how it affects their pocket as opposed to whether it's going to cost you money down the road. Like say you have a leak and you need to get the water turned off like ASAP, like those, I can send my guy like immediately to get out there. Whereas calling someone else, it might be four or five hours. So having, having again, like that control and the ability to be really mobile and um, agile is, is pretty important or what we feel is important. We still sub out a ton of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you're in Portland. I know Portland has been one of the most popular markets in the country for many years now. Uh, what is your opinion about Portland as a place to invest? And I mean, where do you see it heading in, in the next several years? Uh, can you give us some information about that? Sure, sure. So currently, uh, the inventory on the market for extra house sales is like 1.1 or 1.2. It's super low. So it's still popular. There's still a lot of job growth here. Um, Portland has been one of the top 10 inbound cities for probably the last five or six years um, from the statistics that I've seen, uh, which makes it a desirable place to live. We've got a river running through it. We've got a mountain an hour away. The coast is an hour away. It's just, it's a nice place to live. Um, if you're going to visit, visit during the summer, <laughs> the, the winter's a little dreary, but, uh, when it's, when it's summer out, it's pretty awesome. 
So as far as like the market goes, we're seeing uh, the condo market. There's definitely a lot more condos coming on um, in the, the urban core. Um, and we are seeing people move out of like some apartments and trying to get out to the surrounding cities. Um, Portland uh, is comprised of like the metropolitan area of Portland. And then it's got uh, suburb cities. So we have like Tigard, Tualatin, Gresham, uh, Vancouver, which is actually in Washington, and then Beaverton. Um, and the list kind of keeps going on and on and on. But there's probably 10 or 15 surrounding cities to make up like the old overall metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, as far as what we're seeing is that rents are staying steady, uh, if not increasing in kind of the outer urban core. The, the urban core right now, it's the winter, um, might see some prices decreasing in rent a tiny bit. Um, but overall, it's a, a strong and steady market. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and we've got the pandemic going on. What is your view on uh, not necessarily just in Oregon, but um, what do you see happening over the next, uh, you know, 12 to 18 months? Um, I have not seen the statistics in like uh, BDS. So it's building development services on how many new units are coming online. Um, I know that we have a few cranes in the air, uh, which is always a good thing to see. But um, with the pandemic, there's a lot more people working from home. Um, and like, I know that like Intel and Nike have committed that their employees aren't coming back till at least June of next year. So uh, as far as like the future holds, like, I think that people will ultimately just be more flexible on where they're able to live. And, you know, I think that there's this trend of like kind of urbanizing the suburbs, like these other little cities we're seeing upticks in more retail space going in, more bars and restaurants, like trying to make that kind of urban feel that we see in downtown out in these outer lying areas, which makes it a little bit more desirable. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, it's that like kind of urbanizing the suburbs is kind of a trend. And I think that trend was happening before the pandemic even started. But I just think the pandemic's kind of accelerating that. Right. So you're not worried about any sort of downturn? Um, not that I can foresee, I mean, with, with, uh, the amount of inventory on the market and I mean, first time home buyers are clamoring to, to buy real estate here. So, um, I, it's, it's hard to see prices going down when there's, there's the number of buyers that have come to the market is a lot more than the number of sellers. That's what we're seeing. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about syndication. Uh, you said you've just kind of started getting into this. How many deals did you say you've uh, completed so far? Yeah, so we've completed two deals this year. Um, the first one, we actually got it under contract in 2019, but ended up closing like the first of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was definitely uh, a little eye-opening, a little fun. Um, we uh, we had some struggles with financing with it, which uh, was no, we weren't really expecting it, but um, ended up having to deal with it and kind of had to change, not change plans, but there was a lot of changes that happened during the course. So we learned learned a few things from that, uh, which was nice. Can you elaborate on that? I mean, you know, I know a lot of my listeners might be interested in syndication. So what are the what are the things you've learned that they can benefit from? Sure, sure. So the, the first deal that we did was a nine unit uh, complex down in Tualatin. And it came on the market uh, right via the regular RLMS, and we, we got it under contract. Um, upon inspection, 
we could see that there was a ton of deferred maintenance. And then on top of that, there was like habitability issues. There were some mold issues. Like it was, it was rough to say the least. The, the seller had indicated that they didn't want to do any work whatsoever. So we went ahead with like agency financing um, to try. Well, we started out with bank financing and they came down to like two weeks before uh, that we were supposed to close. And they're like, yeah, we can't do this loan. So then we like went to agency financing and then they had inspections. And in this meantime, we're like postponing the, uh, the close. Um, and they had inspections and came up with a laundry list of items that we needed to do. That was just, uh, beyond what the seller would even contemplate. I mean, most of the time you need to have like possession of the property to do a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of work. So we, we ended up getting a hard money loan on it. Uh, reducing the amount of work that we plan to do to just kind of get it up and going. So we had to get another extension. So I think we actually originally had it under contract in October um, and being able to actually close on it, like I think it was December 31st and then taking possession January 1st was the, the eye opening thing is when there's so much work, like having a good plan on how that's going to get done and confirming with your, you know, the person that you're trying to get finance with on like, if that's something that they're able to do. Um, I, the guy that uh, was with Freddie Mac, he indicated that he'd never seen anything like this before. Like typically they had <laughs> normally been able to, that he's never had a deal where they wouldn't finance it. So it was kind of, kind of interesting. I mean, you get those, those stories that like, Oh, I've never seen this before. Um, and we, we got that story a couple times on this deal. So, um, having, having a plan with the financing and a backup plan was, and we had, we had the backup plan, which was nice, but it was not exciting to have all of our investors subscribe to the way it was going to work the first time and then have the bank fall through and then having to like rework the pro, pro forma and rework how we were going to do stuff. I mean, it was still a good deal. Like I think even the appraisal came out at 1.6 million. Um, when we bought it and we bought, we actually bought it for 1.25. So we, uh -huh. we already knew that there was equity in the deal. We wanted it. It was just a matter of like all that communication. I think on our second deal that we did this year, we didn't subscribe all of the investors until after we'd negotiated the um, repair addendum and that we had like a good conditional financing. So I think like, even though you're excited to have the deal and you want your investors to subscribe to it, like waiting until you are a little bit more certain as to what's going to happen, I think was one of the big takeaways that we, we took away from it. Mm -hmm. So did things go smoother with your second deal? Things went way smoother with our second deal. Uh, <laughs> closed, closed on time, uh, subscribed the investors after the repair addendum, the, the broker that we worked with, uh, was was a little bit tougher, but uh, it, it it went way smoother. Um, so we're currently, when we got it, five of the units were vacant, uh, and this was about two or three weeks ago. And I think we've got two of them leased up now. So we're in the throes of updating the rest of them and and trying to get a get it, get them leased out before winter really hits. So how do you, um, especially someone who's relatively new to the syndication process? Like, what's the uh, what's the advice you have for people who want to start out and start doing their own syndications? How can they find investors? How can they find deals? I mean, maybe the investors is the harder part, but um, yeah, 
I guess one thing that we did, um, and maybe we were lucky because we have already have a large portfolio, but we took uh, another eight unit property that we had done back in April of 2019 that we bought ourselves and we mocked it up as though we were going to do a syndication on it. So going through the steps of like creating the PPM, creating your marketing material, like understanding the pro forma and how it's going to work, doing a webinar on it, like practicing on something. Um, I think having that to show your investors or people of like, Hey, this is what it's going to look like when it actually comes out. That was really beneficial for us on the first one. Um, and also even for us, like going through those steps and just making sure that we're on the right track. Uh, it's my brother and I that are partners and having, knowing that we're both making steps in the right direction. I want to say like getting started, that was probably the number one thing that really kind of propelled us was the ability to mock something up. And I mean, somebody, you, other people can, you know, do a deal that's already been sold and mock it up as though they were going to do a syndication on it. And just so they, that way, when a deal does come along, it doesn't take very long to put everything together. Yeah, that's really, uh, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Um, so I know that you're just getting into these deals. What does your exit strategy look like? Um, we definitely have a five-year plan. Um, we've told all of our investors that it, it may go longer than that. It may not go longer than that. It's like we're going to review it when when that time comes. Um, the, the exit strategy is selling at some point. Um, we've We've not sold really any of our investments. We're very much a buy and hold company. We're fairly young guys. Like I'm 37, my brother's 36, so we have a lot of, uh, I guess, life left uh, on our investments. Uh, still a lot of depreciation left. Most of our, a lot of them are 10, 12 years old right now. So we still have another 10, 15 years before the depreciation really runs out, and then we'll start probably doing 1031s with ours. With the syndications, it's probably going to be selling selling them off, getting the investors their money back, and hopefully we'll have another deal that they can get into. Right. So what advice do you have for people who are just starting out and in investing and they're wanting to get into their first deals? I mean, you've kind of seen the whole gamut of what's available in the real estate world. If someone wants to get into it, where do you think they should start? I've, I've always said that if I could do it over again, starting out buying multifamily would be way better. Um, the first house that I bought, I turned it into multifamily. So I feel like I kind of did that, but, and house hacking is, is very much like that, but starting with like an actual duplex or an actual fourplex and getting that residential financing on that, the, the equity buy down that, you know, the payments that you're going to have to make and the additional rent that you're going to get is just going to propel someone much, much quicker in, in the real estate world. So I would, I would definitely suggest doing some sort of value add duplex or, or fourplex to start off with. If you can stomach living in living in that, or uh, I've always said too, that like buying a fourplex and then living or renting somewhere else is pretty much the same as living in it, but you may be paying a little bit more in rent someplace else. Right. Yeah. And that's great advice. I, I tell um, people that I advise the same thing. Um, all right. So final question. What's the secret to living a happy life? 
Uh, I think it's probably time management and making sure that you have time to do the things that you want to do. Work is, is work and being passionate about it is great, but also taking the time to get out and do fun things. Um, I like to do scuba diving and spearfishing. I also like to play a lot of golf. So making sure that I can do those things uh, definitely leads to a happy life. Okay. Thanks a lot. And thanks for coming on today. Yeah. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So just a recap for everyone listening. Today we were speaking with AJ Shepard, who was the owner of Uptown Real Estate in Portland, Oregon. Um, We talked a bit about property management and syndication. Some of the key takeaways I think today were uh, one of the major benefits of having your own management company to deal with your rentals is that you really have control over the work that gets done and the timelines and the order in which that work gets done. He mentioned if you've got the water uh, flooding the basement in one property, you need to get someone over there right away. And if you have to call someone, they don't work for you. It might be four hours as opposed to 20 minutes. And that can be a huge, uh, a huge difference in the amount of money it's going to cost you to get those repairs completed. We also talked about syndications. AJ started syndicating only in the last few years. He's only done a couple of deals and some of his growing pains can be really beneficial for other people starting. He mentioned that his first deal got really rocky when it turned out it needed a lot of repairs that he wasn't expecting and it moved the timeline a couple of times and he had to keep going back to his investors and saying, okay, we have to push this back a little bit. We have to push this back a little bit. And he said, you know, it all worked out in the end, but obviously you want to avoid making your investors have to agree to a new deal than the one they initially signed up for. So his advice was to have your investors sign after you've finished the repair negotiations as part of the closing process. Another thing that he wanted to impart was that when you're just getting started, it can be really, really helpful to do a practice run. Set up one of your previous investments or the investments of a friend or just go on the internet, look at something that's closed recently and write down the specifics of that deal and how you would have sold it if it were a syndication that you were trying to get financed. I think that's fantastic advice that anyone looking to get into a syndication for the first time should probably do to help them make sure that they are ready and prepared. Not to mention give them something to show their potential investors as an example of the way they could do business. And finally, He mentioned that if you're just starting out in real estate and you just want to jumpstart your career, and we've said this on the program before, multifamilies are a great way to start. He said, preferably buy a multifamily that's also a house hack, meaning you will live in the house because you can then take advantage of more favorable financing conditions. And uh, I give that advice all the time. Uh, If you're just starting out and you really want to hit the ground running, Buy a multifamily and preferably live in it if you can as a house hack because you can buy one, wait a year, get another, wait a year, get another, um, and you can accelerate those timelines if need be as well. So it's the best way to get more doors under your control in the shortest amount of time. With that said, I hope all of you enjoyed our program today. We'll be back next Monday with another episode of the More Doors podcast.